All right. Well, let's pray together and we'll jump in. Father, we give you thanks for the morning. It's a blessing. We know that we're dependent on, upon you for life and breath, for your grace in both the marvelous gift of salvation, but also just for just the daily grace of being able to, to serve you, to live with you, for you, in the midst of all of life. Help us, uh, just as a church family, as a body, to help each other in these things, to encourage each other in these things. And Lord, we pray that you would take uh, what we have learned and what we are continuing to learn and the relationships that we've forged and those that we're continuing to forge to be able to help each other in, in the race of the Christian life, knowing that, Lord, there is, a, there is an end to that race. There is a, a finish line that we press towards and that heaven or hell lies before everyone and that in Christ we're blessed to anticipate heaven, you, forever. So we're thankful for that. We pray that you help this to be a small part of equipping and strengthening each one here in that process. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 13b to 15 says, Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. That's, in a nutshell, one of the reasons that we've done the, the Biblical Soul Care Sunday School class that we've spent what is now, well, not the last 24 weeks because there's been little, little pauses. It's been more like probably 30-ish, 32 weeks. But, um, but we've had now 24 Sunday school lessons on biblical soul care. The idea of just understanding our own hearts and, and the hearts of those around us and understanding uh, the Lord's perspective on those things and how to help one another, how to, um, how to address one another. We've, we've covered a whole variety of topics, everything from just understanding the goal and the definition of biblical soul care and counseling. Right, because we want to understand what, what's even the point of this. Uh, and it was a very helpful uh, definition of understanding. It's a, it's, a, it's a correctly ordering of what has been disordered away from God and away from an understanding and a submission of Him and His will. And it's a reordering of thoughts and actions and words and desires along those ways. We've talked about sanctification, just understanding the, the, the process that we're all, if we're in Christ, in. Because if you, under, if you misunderstand that, then you're, you're almost doomed from the start to, to failed expectations and to disappointments and disillusionment. And we've asked ourselves, well, who should counsel, right? Surely that's just the pastors and the elders and the care group leaders, and the challenge is that, well, no, it's not just them, it's all of us. This is something that God calls each of His children to be actively part of life and ministry with one another in shepherding each other's hearts and lives to the right goal. And that's, that's a crucial thing, right, is that this care is aimed at the heart because the heart is the source. The heart is the, as my, one of my seminary profs said, it's mission control center 
of our lives. It's that which drives our words. It's that which drives our actions. It's that which drives our plans and our desires as our heart. And so our care for one another, our, our care even for ourselves, our understanding of ourselves needs to be oriented around the heart and not just sort of the, the, the immediate manifestations of what may be symptoms of this or symptoms of that, but being able to understand, to get at the heart of ourselves and at one another. We discussed how to engage someone well with questions and with hope. Questions for the sake of understanding their hearts and hope for the sake of really helping somebody understand there is no situation that somebody is in or could be in that God does not care about and is, is, he is totally sufficient in his word and through the work of the Spirit to address all those needs. We talked about what it means to have biblical discernment in soul care, to understand the, the need to, uh, and this has kind of been a thread throughout the whole thing, the, the need to have the biblical grid and framework be that, that through which we press everything else in life. Right, to understand problems through that grid, to understand um, goals and directions from that source. We looked at uh, the, the differences between various secular worldviews and the idea of biblical care and how those are incompatible in, in many ways and, and that there's a, there's a primacy to the, the, the biblical discernment and the biblical care that we need to be giving to one another. We looked at a, a variety of areas in which the Bible intersects with physical considerations, trials, hardships, uh, illnesses, those types of things, even the, the effect of psychopharmaceuticals and, and the, the way that those interact with our body and how that reflects upon biblical truths and all those ideas. There we looked at also uh, an even, even wider pool of just heart issues. We talked about anger. What, what is anger? What's it sourced in? What, what provokes it? What does God think of it? How's the right way to think about it, and how's the right, what's the right way to address it? Uh, what, what is the right way of thinking about forgiveness? You know, sourced in God, sourced in Christ, reflecting upon Christ and the gospel and the forgiveness that God offers us and the forgiveness that we need to be striving for and seeking for within our own relationships. And we talked about things like fear and worry. Are those... How, how, how do those line up with this? Things uh, about depression last week. Just even, even the, the truth that some of these things are not necessarily an indicator that, that you're a freak or that you're out of the norm or that you're broken, but that we live in a broken world. Right, And that we need to understand, as I live life, how do I relate life to God's truth and then respond accordingly? And that's one of the takeaways, I hope, uh, for you all from this series that we've had, is that in the intersection of life and faith in all of these areas, I would ask you, what... What falls outside God's purview? What do we encounter 
that we say, no, God doesn't have anything to do with that. What do we encounter where, where we can say, well, the Bible doesn't really have the ability to be our first and primary frame of reference for thinking and responding to that? And I hope, I hope, I pray that one of the things that this Sunday School series has done is to help anchor each and every one of you in the notion that there is nothing that we encounter that is outside of God's purview. There is no situation in which we find ourselves that God is absent from or that he just kind of says, hey, time out, not me, go elsewhere. Right? Same thing with the Bible. There, there is no situation in which we find ourselves that we cannot say, Lord, I need help and a frame of reference and a way of thinking and responding in the midst of this scenario. There's no situation in which we find ourselves that we can't first and foremost go to God's word. And so hopefully that is um, one of your, your primary takeaways from this series as we wrap it up here this morning. But the question is, now what? All right, and that's always kind of the, 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 the kicker, right? Because we're not just here to tell you some interesting things and to point out some verses in the Bible and to have you go, hey, that's great. Okay, so now what, uh, what's the next topic? And I'll tell you about the next topic, but, you know. But what about this? What about everything we've just done? What about everything we've just covered? And... Um, we want you to do. We want you to live. We want you to execute, not just digest. And so our prayer, our prayer is that everything that we have done over the last 24 weeks of teaching will help you in your ministry to yourself first. And that you'll seek to implement these things in your ministry to yourself. Which means... So one of the things you have to be aware of is taking everything that we've covered and kind of saying, I need to apply that to my very own thought patterns. As I'm in a certain situation, as I'm in this scenario with, with my spouse or at work or alone or with my kids or considering taxes or whatever the case may be, as I'm thinking thoughts... How do my thoughts reflect upon the truth of everything that we've covered? We need to be, uh, I think, much more aware of our thoughts than we often are. We need to consider carefully what we're thinking. We need to assess them, and we need to be able to adjust them even as needed in the midst of life. Um, I don't know if, if you do this at all sometimes, but there are times where I will be just take a take an immediate example. I'll be interacting with my wife and 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 not doing very well in it. <laughs> All right. And I'll be interacting with her in that way. And I'll be able to to to, to slow myself down and to sort of look at it from an outside perspective, to assess myself, to say, Aaron, you are being a complete clawed and jerk to your wife. And, and, and here's why. It's not because even though you want to blame everything on her that you possibly can, it's not because she's done something wrong. But it's because actually, well, you're upset because your own selfish desires about this, that, or the other haven't been met. And so rein that in, buddy. 
moderate your response to her, ask for forgiveness for that anger, and then, and then deal with the Lord with whatever's going on over here. And that, that ability, if you can grow in that to sort of just sort of slow yourself down, stop just responding and understand your thoughts and your heart in the midst of a scenario to be able to even just counsel yourself in the moment is tremendous. But you have to, you have to think and you have to understand your own heart and you have to say, Lord, what, what is in the word that speaks to the condition of my heart in this moment and then how do I do it? Which, honestly, we all need to grow in our ministry of just self-addressing also, addressing the actual issues that we see. If somebody uh, comes up and says, hey, brother, uh, have you ever been aware that this is kind of a pattern for you or sister or, frankly, just your own assessment, kind of realizing, man, this is, this is really a weakness. Maybe you have, but then what do you do about that? What do you do with that? Eh, it's just who I am. No, wrong. Well, it's just how I'm wired. No, wrong. I once heard, I once heard somebody, um, actually from a pulpit, uh, talking about the, uh, the old uh, personality tests. Um, this was pre- Enneagram stuff. It was just normal personality tests. You know, type A, type B, type C, however many types there are. And, and what was being said was that, well, okay, leaders are often type A personalities, right? And, and that as, as part of being a type A personality, there's, there's certain ways in which, you know, type A can be a little controlling or domineering or maybe a little abrupt or a little bit rude, but that's just because they're having these, they have these ideas and these directions and this passion and this blah, blah, blah. And so basically, the type A wiring and the fact that God may be using them in leadership means you just sort of excuse those things. And my encouragement to you is that, well, no, that's not it at all, because God calls us all to be certain types of people, and that if you see yourself falling short in one way, don't excuse it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rude or I'm overbearing, but I'm just a type A kind of guy. Right? So, well, no, God has wired me to be a type A kind of guy who is growing in my graciousness and in my humility and my tenderness towards people around me because that's a weakness. Right? And so, but then as you as you are aware of those things, to walk in intentional addressing of that. And if you hopefully have uh, the, the, the chart, that may be a helpful tool for you, but whatever the case is in terms of how you address it, being purposeful not just to excuse or brush under the rug or put off some sort of issue that you may be finding, but instead acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and develop a game plan to address it. Get encouragement and help from those around you in your care group or in the church as a whole, Bible study, whatever the case may be. But, but be intentional about your own ministry to yourself and to your heart. Um, often we are, we can be kind of our own worst critic to where we have zero grace and see zero growth, and there's never any good, and that's unhealthy, but then we can also be our own biggest cheerleader and our own biggest justifier, which is just as much of a problem. Okay, so watch out for those and seek to minister yourself in the right kind of a way. I would encourage you also, be 
be intentional to be vulnerable to others about your own need. Think, think about the general greeting, and I'm going to make you all real self-conscious about how you respond now this morning. But you know what happens, right? When somebody comes up to you and you say, hey man, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. And then whoosh, everybody's good. Great. You know, and so, so and, and I mean, in some ways, it's just the greeting, and I get that. But if that's the microcosm of how we actually interact with one another, we are cutting the knees out from ourselves and out from our ability to minister to those around us because we're not dealing with each other on an honest level. But somebody's got to set the tone. And so uh, be intentional to be vulnerable. If you're having a bad day, <laughs> blow somebody's mind. And when they say, hey, how you doing? Man, really rough right now, actually. And see what that does to the interaction. You might get someone who just sort of gets wide-eyed and runs away. And that might happen because it's, I mean, think about when's the last time that you had an interaction with somebody where they said, I'm just really struggling right now. It's unique. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. It's, it's not your typical thing. You know, but I, I could be, it could be a matter of saying, you know what, I'm really wrestling with this sin or with this temptation. Or it could just be, look, I'm really discouraged about this and I feel like I'm beat down by this. And allow yourself to be vulnerable in those things. Um, could be on a Sunday morning in the midst of just conversation around here. Or it could be in care group in terms of prayer requests or talking, you know, at the snack table afterwards or whatever. But just allow yourself to be vulnerable and you will find yourself to be able both to receive and to give ministry to one another in completely different ways than if we just sort of do the plastic Christianity, I'm good, you're good, everybody's good kind of thing. All right? So uh, minister to yourself in that way. Uh, ministry, we want you to grow and we want you to apply everything that we've been teaching in your ministry to others as well. Now, what ministry to others requires and necessitates at the very beginning is presence with others, right? Presence and relationship with others. If you're not present around others, if you're not engaged with others, because you can actually kind of be present at times without actually being engaged, okay? So present and engaged with others. That's your first step. Brothers and sisters, don't just be pew sitters. Don't come, enjoy the nice burgundy padded seats, and then leave. And don't do that in your care group either. They probably have even more comfortable chairs and some coffee and some cookies. And it's very comfortable. And then you just sort of sit and leave. Okay, that, that doesn't do anything. You need to be present and you need to be engaged. But you need to be engaged with an others-minded perspective. How do I serve? How do I know? How do I uh, understand them and what's going on with them and seek to meet their needs? Which requires then kind of tapping back into what we talked about and saying, okay, so I need, to, I need to make sure that I have some intentional questions on my tongue and in my heart about how to engage others. 
which requires listening in addition to talking. Some of us are very good at listening and need to talk more. And some of us are very good at talking, just need to dial that down a little bit and do more listening, okay? But listening even for the sake of learning and understanding. Wives, you don't have to nod your head, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Want that husband to listen for the sake of learning and understanding, not just sort of checking the box of, well, I've shut my mouth and I've turned on my ears, right? So to listen, to, to learn and to understand, though, you have to somehow, you have to, you have to grow in the, in, the, in the skill and in the diligence and the practice of asking questions. And not just sort of like, okay, I heard you say that, so I listened, and now we're going to talk about something else. But if somebody says something, and, uh, and, 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 and there's an area of, of vulnerability or a need or just a, just a crack in some sort, of a, some sort of a shell or a facade of some sorts, then, then what you need to do is you need to ask a question of, oh, man, I, I, hear, I hear what's going on with that. Tell me, how, how does that impact your Life? What, why do you think that may be? What, what, what do you think led up to that? And suddenly you're, you're still talking, but, but a lot of the times conversations kind of go like this. Well, I did this, I'm doing this, I'm this. Oh, yeah, well, me too, I did this, and I'm doing this. And, and you, this, 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 this back and forth of kind of like telling stories about, you know, yourselves, and that's kind of like dialogue. It's not really... That doesn't really like bond you together or allow you to know one another, though. And so I'd encourage you to, 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 to listen to your own conversation and to seek to grow in understanding and, and asking questions, those types of things, um, which requires a willingness to engage, a willingness to engage so that you know people and then to bear with them and even to address them as may be needed. And look, I understand. Full confession, I'm a pastor, and there are times where I just don't want to engage. <laughs> because it can be hard. It can be tiring. It can be taxing and draining, and I get it. Um. But we can't shy away from that. We can't say, well, that's going to be for someone else. You know, that's, that's going to be uh, another time that I can address that. I mean, think about God's providence, right? How, how detailed do we think God's providence operates in our lives? Does it operate to the level of the conversations that you have with the people that you're around? To where you're in a conversation and somebody just cracks just a little bit. In God's providence, who has He put right there, right then? Well, not, not Joe, who's in a, a whole other situation at that moment. He's put you. And so engage. Understand, Lord, this is one of those good deeds that you've prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Right? We covered that in Ephesians 2. 
and engage with it and walk in that good deed of loving and bearing with and serving one another and encouraging one another and rebuking and admonishing and exhorting one another and whatever the case may be. All right, so be willing to engage. In the midst of your ministry to others, have the right goals for each other. And this was why some of the the conversations that we had about understanding heart issues, but even understanding that in the midst of soul care, you're not just talking about sort of dealing with a symptom, but you're dealing with reordering disordered, you're reordering what has been disordered away from God, and you're reordering those things back to God. This is what Paul says in Colossians 1, 28. He, he highlights this as like the, the, the main thrust of his own ministry. Is he says, we proclaim him, that's Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ, right? We want our church to have amongst our relationships as the ultimate priority growth in Christ likeness. Not necessarily getting out of a hard situation, not necessarily fixing some sort of uh, symptom on the surface, but that we would spur one another on unto completion in Christ that we would bear with one another in that process. And look, you and I know, at least I hope, if you just sort of stop and kind of like replay the video of your own life, you know that it's a process. You know that God just didn't zap you and suddenly you're in X, you know, level of sanctification and you got to skip A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all the way through, right? It's a process. It's a, it's a journey and it's a... It's a a lot of ups and downs, okay? So have the right goals for one another. I think understand, too, that there, there's varying degrees of relationship circles that I think it's helpful to consider kind of the degrees of ownership that we have with one another. Um, you can't necessarily be the answer to everybody, but in terms of just the, the, the varying degrees of proximity to who you are and who you are in relationship with, Pour yourself into those. All right. The closer that you are in relation to relationship to somebody, then invest yourself all the more fully in those things, and 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 trust the Lord to provide um, those other close relationships to other people as well. Look, there's there's some admonishments in the book of Hebrews that speak really strongly to this. I think it's really easy to get so fixated on just life, on, on making an income, on figuring out what's next in the, the, the career or the kid's education or whatever the case may be. It's really easy to just get, to get lost in the details of life. I'm, I'm, this is, a, this is a tangent, I am driven though, in the times when I'm mindful enough to remind myself of it, I'm driven by the concept of the eternal impact of deeds and people. What we do for God and what we do to the people within our church family resounds for eternity in ways that, that, 
everything else around us just pales in comparison and will have zero longevity. But in Revelation 19, think about this. At the marriage of the Lamb, here's the picture. It says in verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her, this is the bride, the church, God's redeemed people. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Let that be an encouragement to you. Whether you see immediate impact from your righteous act or not, you are in that moment helping to clothe the bride of Christ for that day. And then think about this. If you manage to come alongside one another and spur one another on such that you, know, you, you interact with a brother or sister, then that brother or sister then, then responds and engages and does something in terms of like a, like a, like a righteous deed and a, and a sanctified act of obedience to God, they just contributed to the beauty of God's bride at the marriage supper. See, Nothing else is going to last. And, and I am so bad at remembering this. But nothing else is going to last past this life except what we do in terms of people. In terms of relationship. In terms of serving the Lord through, those, through, through our relationships in those, and those people. And especially in terms of the church and the impact of that. So Hebrews chapter 3 says this in verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today. Understand that inherent within that phrase right there is a warning that there will be a day where it is no longer called today. And at that point, it will be too late. And so while we have today, understand we have the task, the goal, the, the, the privilege to share the gospel, the saving news of Christ with the unbeliever, and to spur one another on as he's going to get to. He says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. That's, that's heavy duty. You hear the stakes inherent in that? In terms of our ministry to one another, we see something similar in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus... Okay, this, is the, this is the gospel. God, Jesus has given us access to God through his atoning sacrificial death on the cross. And so we have access to God through Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then this, let us hold fast 
the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. This is ministry to yourself. Hold fast, hold fast. Don't deviate. But then ministry to others. And let us consider how to stimulate, poke with a very sharp stick, provoke one another, and, 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 and goad one another onto love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Four, here's the stakes. If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. So you see, it's not even just about having a nice, you know, comfortable, lovey-dovey community. And I love our church community. And oftentimes it feels lovey-dovey and is really comfortable and is just wonderful in that way. But as the primary understanding and impetus and, and propellant behind our ministry to one another must be the understanding that there will come a day when it's no longer called today. And so while it's called today, we must spur each other on to hold fast to the end. All right, so ministry to others. This is why for the last 24 weeks we've been trying to say, take this and minister to one another, which requires then that, we, that, that, that you grow in this. Right? You can offer all the, all the conventional and folksy wisdom that you want, but if it's not anchored in God's truth, then it's subjective. And it's subject to failure, to error. But as we grow in our knowledge of God's Word, then we'll be able to deliver perfect wisdom, perfect counsel, perfect truth to those that we find ourselves in. And so, uh, as Pastor Rick likes to say, is this the read your Bible more? It's not a sermon. Conversation? Yes! Read your Bible more! But not just to check the box. To grow in an understanding and, and, a, and, a, and an intake and, a, and a, a digestion way in the deepest levels of your own heart, the truth of God, so that as out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, the truth of God will then come out of you in your interaction with others. Right? So yeah, read your Bible. Take, take, uh, take instruction from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. He says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You don't grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by just sort of imagining things in your own head about who He is and what He's done or what He wants. We grow in those things by following Ezra's example. Okay, so back in, if you want to flip there, back in Ezra 7, 10. Ezra, yeah, just 7.10 itself. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord 
and to practice it, and to teach His statutes and ordinances in Israel. He didn't just assume or presume that He was qualified to just teach it. He said, I'm going to study it so that I know it, and then I'm going to live it, and then I will teach it. Okay, but in addition to that, we want to grow and I, I, I spoke about this a couple of times, I think, throughout this Sunday school, but I want, I want to encourage you to grow, and we're all, <laughs> this, this, is, this is a hard one. We're, many of us are very weak in this and struggling in this, but memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Reading is great. Reading is good. Read your Bible. Memorizing and meditating is different from reading. And it's also great, and it's good, and it's helpful. And I can vouch for uh, the personal help of having some accountability and some people to do that process with you and to say, hey, let's memorize this together because, man, if you're like me, you're the greatest rationalizer of not having time or discipline to do something like that. But think about this. I mean, John said, uh, John said, Jesus said in John 17, 17, he's praying for us and he says, sanctify them in truth. And then what does he say? He says, your word is truth. So we want that word in our minds and in our hearts. Joshua, I, I love Joshua, um, the injunction that he's giving and that the Lord gives him, honestly. Joshua 1. After a couple of times of God saying to Joshua, hey, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. So how it is in verse 7 and 8 now. How, how is Joshua going to do that? How is Joshua going to know the law so well and not turn from it to the right or to the left? Well, verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. God was saying to the leader of the people of Israel, anchor yourself in my word and it will guide you. Anchor yourself in my, in my revealed will and it will guide you. Psalm 1, man, again, just sets the tones, right? How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. I think we could all grow in this. That's a pretty high standard right there. But what's the result of that? What what? What will make it so that when the, the, the winds and storms of life blow against you and against your faith, you are strong and firm? Well, it's that. If your delight is in the law of the Lord and you on that law you meditate day and night, then He, you, will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever He does, He prospers. And as a little warning, He says, The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away because they're not rooted in God's word and his law. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Don't think you can pay lip service to God and to His Word, but not anchor yourself in it, because when the judgment comes, that will come upon you, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, grow in biblical knowledge. Memorize, meditate. Let those things be deep in your heart so that as you interact with one another and as you interact with your own self, too, you can say, self, I was just meditating on this verse that I was memorizing, and self, you should really pay attention to the truth that you have in your heart. Uh, Look for equipping in, in specific areas. If you want to grow in a particular area of understanding, whether it's of biblical truth or, or, or counseling or theology, then find a book. Ask one of the pastors or elders for a book recommendation or, or do, a, do a particular Bible study. If you're like, you know what, there's a book of the Bible that I have not really spent time in in learning and growing in, so I want to study that. You can do that on your own. You can do that with people here at the church on an informal basis. You can do that in the men's Bible study here. You can do that in the ladies' Bible studies here. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the Wednesday night theology class that's on break right now, but it'll come back in the fall. That's not just an academic exercise, right? Theology is not just academics. Theology is truth that is fuel for your life. Because you can always say, if what I know about God is true, then how does that inform my thoughts or my actions or my words or my desires or my responses in this particular situation? And so the stronger that you know, uh, that your knowledge about God is in any of those particular areas, then the greater your response will be in those ways. Okay, so avail yourself of those specific equipping opportunities. Speaking of which, All right, we have a further training opportunity for you. If this specific notion of biblical soul care, biblical counseling is something that has really piqued your interest and generated a desire to grow more, to even have some more in-depth counsel because I, or um, equipping, because I'm sure if you're like me, particularly when Dr. Dale Johnson starts to teach, then, I mean, it's just like this, torrent of really good information, right? And you're sitting there, you're trying to write it all down, and you're trying to drink from the fire hose, and then you come away from that, and you say, wait, help, can we have another six sessions on this? Um, So if if any of that may have happened to to you, then we're going to offer an ongoing midweek training opportunity through the church. All right, Daniel Good, um, one of our church members, care group leader, brother in Christ, Probably here somewhere. They're pointing. There he is. Daniel, raise your hand real quick. There he is. Okay, so if, if you want to, you can go talk to him. Uh, you can also email him. Uh, it's in the, the bulletin. But he's going to facilitate some meetings um, it, that will happen midweek, and they're going to be centered around watching specifically uh, biblical counseling training videos and then having discussion at, at times of being able to ask questions and have follow-up and have further training about those specific topics, all right? How do I really understand that principle that was just talked about? Well, how would I really apply that in various situations? Okay, real-life situation. I have this going on. How does this actually flesh out in this situation, all right? 
So that's going to be an opportunity coming up. Many of the same principles that we've covered in the Sunday School series will be covered, but there will be both be more topics and there will be more depth and breadth to each of the, the opportunities, even just in the sense of being able to ask questions and explore those topics in ways that we haven't been able to hear. All right, so it's going to be useful for your own personal growth. Uh, if, you have, if you have had ever any thoughts of trying to pursue like a biblical counseling kind of certification thing, it will be useful for that as well. But you can see the bulletin for more information. All right, we'll have a meeting here in a couple weeks, Wednesday, June 15th at 6.30, that if you want to know more about that specific avenue of training, that'll be your opportunity for that. See the bulletin, and you can either go Shanghai him personally or email Daniel for more information and to indicate your interest in going to that meeting. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the cap of, of the class that we've had. What's next in Sunday school? Okay, because we've got to stop with that topic at some point. So uh, next week, Moses uh, Cutiola is going to be teaching, I believe, from Daniel 9. Right, Moses? Yep. So he's going he's gonna to be teaching on prayer uh, from Daniel 9 is just sort of a one-off before we then begin a new series. Um, this is not an official title, but I like it, so I'm calling it the Summer of Psalms. All right, we've been uh, we've been reading the Psalms through in on Sunday mornings, and so now, uh, man, there's a pool of like seven guys or so, six or seven guys who are going to just teach on a on a smattering of Psalms. All right, throughout the summer. And so we'll begin that on uh, June 5th. So if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to grab me or Daniel. Um, but let me pray, ask the Lord to take what we've learned and work it in our church. Father, we're thankful for the, the, the long period that we've spent getting equipped in this particular area. Lord, I pray first and foremost that each and every one of us would remind ourselves of the complete dependency that we have upon our Savior and upon His saving work. Outside of Him, we have nothing good in and of ourselves. But in Christ, we have so, so much treasure and richness of spiritual blessing and the opportunities. And, and one of those blessings is the opportunity to, to be in relationship with one another and to minister to one another and Lord, to, to have hope. To have hope of, of growth and resolution and overcoming and victory in the midst of hardships and struggles and discouragements. So I pray that you would take everything we've learned and talked about and all the, the sermons in Ephesians and how that builds so well into all of this also, Lord. Grow us into Christ's likeness. Grow us in our love for one another, we pray. Father, use your spirit in the midst of our relationships to provoke us, to provoke each other to love and to good deeds, to care so much about each other and our eternal destination and destiny and, and, and the process of how we're getting there that that becomes part of the fabric of our relationships as a church. We trust you to do this. You are the one who said you'll build your church. So build it, Lord, and use us in that endeavor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.